This is Planet 76, your source for all things Philadelphia 76ers. We've got another great episode coming your way today, and we're safe for takeoff. Let's go. Welcome, everybody. Planet 76, episode 72. Yes. Yes. Uh, 71. Yes. 71. 71. <laughs> 71. Co-host. My name is Michael. Troy as well. You know the drill. Sixers. Sixers. Three, That's why we're four. here. As we speak. Start off 0-3. You know, we talked about it last week. But they kind of bounced back. So I'm going to ask Troy, what are your thoughts right now? Just... Obviously, we'll get into it, but just general, quick little thoughts on the on the Sixers. What did you like from the past week or so? What did you? Yeah. What was interesting? Just yeah. just tell me. Yeah. So I feel much better. Um, yeah. I saw some, you know, posts on Trust the Lover, you know, on your story, you know, kind of people saying similar things, feeling a lot better about the team after this, you know, second week of the season. Um, I guess my biggest takeaway uh kind of feeding off of where we were last week on the podcast at least we, we talked a lot about the bench we talked a lot about how it didn't seem like they were getting many opportunities and that was kind of playing a role in the fact that they weren't able to uh win games that they you know could have been winning um and so it was really encouraging to see even some all bench lineups it was encouraging to see the anthony melton playing very very well um, Shake Milton getting some action. Matisse got some action. I mean, everybody, especially last night against Chicago, um, everybody played. Daniel House played. Matisse played. Montrez played. Um, so there's just a lot of guys getting action, and um, that that's kind of my big takeaway. And of course, um, how can you not talk about Tyrese Maxey's game against Toronto? But very, I'm feeling a lot better <laughs> right now. We'll say that. Yeah, I too am feeling very good. I was feeling okay about the team last week, like we talked about here on the podcast. But I'm feeling okay about the team now. And a lot of that comes with winning. Winning cures all, as I'm sure you're familiar with. And I'm sure if you're listening or watching or both to this, you're familiar with that as well. Like I said, Sixers 4 and... I'm sorry. 3 and 4, as we speak of this. They've won 3 of their last 4 games... And I don't know about you, but this episode I really want to focus on the, the Toronto games. The Chicago game, that was a good game. The Sixers ended up going up by, they had multiple double-digit leads. Almost actually lost the game, funny enough. But yeah. they ended up winning by five, so that's good. And then the Indiana game on Monday, I'm going to be honest, I did not watch that game. They did win. And I think it was by, I think it was by double-digits. Yeah, by Almost. 14. Yes. So, they won by double digits. It's the Pacers. You know, Embiid had a pretty good game. Harden had a pretty good game. So, I'm not really too concerned with that. I really, in this episode, want to focus on those Raptors games. I don't know about you, but... Yeah, I no, did. good. Yeah, I, I did end up watching both of those games almost in their entirety... Obviously, Sixers lost on Wednesday by 10 to the Raptors. Embiid was playing. He ended up with 31. Maxi at 31. They lost by 10. The Raptors were just shooting a ridiculous percentage from three. 
and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get those percentages right now. But what are your initial thoughts on that Wednesday game? Did you end up catching so that I, game? So I I actually did not catch the Wednesday game. Uh, Wednesdays are always tough for me, but I am looking at it too. So yeah, Toronto made sixteen threes in that one. Um, How many? Yeah, what was their what was their final? I can't. Sixteen of thirty-seven. Oh um, gosh, and then from, that's from nearly fifty percent from three. Right, from the field, they were fifty-five percent. Yeah, you know, just overall, um, every starter. I mean, look at the starting lineup: twenty, fifteen, sixteen, fifteen, twenty-seven. Um, if you're starting five, does that twenty, sixteen, fifteen, you know, fifteen and twenty-seven? You're gonna win a lot of games. Let's just say that. Um, what I'll say is interesting. You know, given the two games in Toronto is, you know, if I were a betting man and you tell me Embiid's going to play in one of these games and he's not going to play in the other, I would say that the Sixers have a better chance to win the game that Joel Embiid plays in, um, which obviously turned out to be the opposite. So the Sixers lost when Embiid dropped 31 on Wednesday night, the game he did play in. He played well, 12 for 17 from the floor. Uh, Maxie also had 31, 12 for 21, and then you know the Maxie game was on Friday where he went for 40-plus on 15 of 20 shooting. Started 10 for 10, I think 27 in the first half. It was incredible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, very encouraging to see them bounce back. You know, when you find out Embiid wasn't playing, you're thinking, gosh, the Sixers might start the year 1-5 <laughs> um, if they lose both in Toronto, but they were able to win the game on Friday, so... Uh, how about you? What did you see in those? Yeah, I the one the one thing I that is catching me off guard now is that the Sixers basically matched the Raptors from three, which is kind of strange because I felt like there was just such a discrepancy in three point percentage and three pointers made and things like that. But I think the real comes from no even free throws were similar. I guess it just really comes from the amount of shots that the Raptors took overall. They just they just made more shots overall from the field. And from three, I mean, they took more than the Sixers. But, no, they didn't. Wait. They took they one took more. So one almost identical. Three. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. And they still lost by 10. Well, either way, Gary Trent Jr. had 27 points. He was 5 for 10 from three. Um... Well, based on the box score alone, it looks like, I mean, so the Sixers scored 26 in the third, so did the Raptors. They both scored 30 in the fourth. So the second half, they matched each other. Um, you know, but the first quarter alone, Toronto went up and won by eight, and then the second quarter, they won by two, and that was the difference. So for, was it a slow start? Again, I didn't catch that one. What was, the, you give up 35 in the first quarter, that's not ideal. So that came back to bite them, obviously. Yeah, the Raptors were off to a hot start in the first quarter. A lot of their threes, I think, came in the first quarter, and they, they were obviously getting up by eight at that point. I mean, they, the Sixers got outscored in every quarter. They tied in the third, and they tied in the fourth. They got outscored by eight in the first quarter and two in the second quarter. And that's with, that's with Embiid, remember. Embiid played that game. So this was kind of like what you said. I, I was very much expecting the Sixers to possibly drop a game in Toronto because, one, it's the Raptors. They give the Sixers trouble, no matter if it's playoffs or regular season. 
And two, it's in Toronto, which the Sixers have had issues playing and winning in Toronto. So I definitely was leaving the possibility open for the Sixers to lose at least one in Toronto. Now, thankfully, they ended up winning the next one, and then they had one on Monday against the Pacers. So that's a good sign. And then the Friday game. That was kind of the opposite of the Wednesday game. The Sixers, MB didn't play, but they won. And, you mentioned it earlier, Tyrese Maxey game. Yeah, incredible. Did you catch incredible. that game at all? I did not either. No. That dude. Saw it all afterward, yeah. I... That game was... I just I just have no words for that game. It was one of the craziest Sixers games I've seen. They... I'm going to look at the totals right now. Maxi was 9 of 10 from 3 by himself. 9 of, nine of 12 for three, from 3 by himself. 75% from 3. Insane. The Sixers went 16 of 38 total from 3. He... Maxi was amazing. He was... The leading scorer of anybody in the game by nearly 20. Second highest was Siakam with 26. He was just he was just torching. He was taking threes from everywhere. He was making threes from everywhere. Corner, top of the key, transition threes. He was just amazing. He took 20 shots overall. 75% from the field. 75% from three. 83% from the line. Along with eight rebounds as well. Some advanced numbers, 97% true shooting percentage, which is basically a combination of two-pointers made, three-pointers made, and free throws made. Yeah. 90, and that's I a mean, pretty good number. <laughs> yeah, basically, to sum it up, he barely missed. <laughs> the highest number is 100, obviously. He barely missed. And after the game they posted, this was the highest percentage true shooting-wise of a 21-year-old or younger when it was a 40-point game. So it was 40 points on the highest true shooting percentage of a player 21 years or younger, which is ridiculous. That he shot four, that he that he dropped 40 points, but the amount of shots that he took and made, again, nine three-pointers on 12 attempts. That's, that's some Steph Curry numbers, if we're being totally honest. Steph Curry averages about 11, 12 attempts per game. Tyrese Maxey, that's a Steph Curry game in terms of volume, in terms of efficiency, because that's just, that is the example of efficiency. When you talk about efficiency, that's what you want to see. You want to see 75% from three on nine made threes. You want to see 15 field goals made, 20 attempts, 75%. That's efficiency. That's the model for an efficient scoring game. Tyrese Maxey has been a pretty efficient scorer since last season, but this kind of game, it just really solidifies. And and I think represents the kind of player that he is. Just a super, super efficient scorer. Obviously not going to give you 44 every night on that kind of efficiency and volume, but nevertheless, that this is what he can do. This is what he can be. This is what he is now, and it's great to have a guy like that without Embiid. Uh, again, Embiid didn't play. And with Harden not shooting very well. 
He went 0 for 3 from 3. 4 for 9 from the field. He didn't play great. So you needed a guy like that to help you out. So I just have nothing but high praise for Maxi. And in that game, DeAnthony Melton played extremely well. Tobias Harris was okay. Nothing crazy. Yeah, the bench was... The bench was okay. Montrez Harrell played well in nine points. That's about it. Yeah, he's he shot been, the he's ball been coming 100% on a little bit. actually from the field. Yeah, Montrez Harrell's been coming on a little bit, which has been encouraging to see. He's been active. Uh, the thing that I notice... Now, again, I, I watched that game back. I didn't watch it live. Um, two things stick out. One... Tyrese went 15 for 20. Or he, you know, he had 44, but that's only with six free throw attempts, meaning he shot the ball a ton mm-hmm. and he made it a ton. And they weren't easy shots. He took some tough twos. He took some tough runners. He took some tough floaters. He took some contested threes. He took deep threes. Um, he was phenomenal. And, and, and I think you know you hit the nail on the head. Without Harden playing well, without Embiid playing, and the Sixers at that point were 1-4, didn't want to start the season one and five in Toronto, and then you know have to go again a couple more games on the road before they come home. Um, that was, you know, it's not like it was a must win or anything, but that was an important game important. for just a team boost, um, team morale, whatever you want to say. Uh, they needed that, and then the second thing that jumps out to me is you know it's a big, huge win. They won by twenty two, and every single guy. Even the guys that only played two minutes, every single guy on that roster had a positive plus minus. Every single player you look at in that column. So that's eight, 11, 10, 11, 12, 13 guys played. And they all had a positive plus minus, uh, which is just kind of cool because you don't see that often, if ever. Um, and so, you know, and then Tyrese Maxey leading the way with a plus 29 in 40 minutes, which is just incredible. Um, so yeah, very encouraged by that one. Um, let me ask you this: is you know, obviously watching it live, because um, to me, one of the things I saw someone post like last week when the Sixers were struggling and the rotations were a little weird, and someone mentioned the fact that you know it seems like Doc's always trying to keep Embiid and Maxi on the floor together. You know, they'll they'll kind of stay like their minutes will be together. Um, and yet Tyrese Maxey does this in a game where Embiid doesn't play. So he's on the floor the entire time without Joel Embiid playing. And to me, that's an encouraging thing because I don't think, again, I'm big on this, you know, bench trying to find their footing. And the only way they're going to find their footing is if you just throw them out there, um, where they don't have to, you know, defer to Tyrese Maxey or James Harden or whoever. Um, but I think that's a big deal that Tyrese played so well without Joel on the floor because maybe that'll click in Doc's head saying, you know, I don't always have to put their minutes together. Um, You know, he can run the show while James and Joel come off the floor and let Tyrese do his thing. And so, I mean, was some of that... So one, that's my point. I like that. And then two, my question out of that is, um, one, do you think Doc is going to maybe notice that? And then two your thoughts on it like Tyrese Maxey by himself without Joel Embiid is clearly good enough to run the show and as a lot of, here I'm finally getting to it is a lot of that due to the fact that Joel didn't play like like why was Tyrese successful without him 
Um, is that a problem? Like, if they're always going to play together, is that a problem that he was better without him? <laughs> like, yeah, let's really unpack spacing this. or whatever. You let's know what really I mean? unpack <clears throat> this because I think there. I think it's a pretty loaded question, and I think there's a lot of takeaways. So number one being, I don't think it's a problem at all. I think Tyrese has had great games with Embiid on the floor. Actually, he had a great game literally two nights prior when Embiid was playing. They both had 30-plus. And I think Tyrese Maxey's game last year in the playoffs against the Raptors, Embiid was playing. I think he ended up with 35 or 37 points. So, while Maxey does have great games without Embiid, he also has really good games with Embiid. So, I can see some conclusions being drawn that Maxi plays better without Embiid, but I simply don't agree because there have been times where he just he plays just as well with Embiid on the floor. So I don't think that's a bad thing. Second, and then could you just repeat what what else you said about So like the whole thing, like, you know, I there's been a lot of talk, at least that I've seen on Twitter or whatever, is like, oh, it seems like Doc's always trying to keep two stars on the same on the floor at the same time, meaning it would be Embiid paired with Tyrese Maxey. Do you think Doc seeing this, you know, from his point of view, is going to say, well, maybe I don't always have to do that. Maybe Tyrese can run the show and look for his and only his with those other guys out. Yeah, I think, and I think I've seen it where it's Maxey plus bench occasionally. And I've also seen Maxi and Harris plus bench. So I think that probably counts in terms of Maxi plus another one of the the three of Harden, Harris, and Bede star wise. Right. But I've seen I think I've seen Maxi plus bench, but not as much as Maxi plus Harris or Maxi plus Harden or Maxi plus Embiid. And huh. Excuse me. And I think Doc Rivers... No, I think he understands that he can do that. I think he understands, hey, I can run Tyrese with the bench in spurts. Because Maxi can do that. He's a good shot creator. He can get guys involved. But he can also score for himself at a pretty high rate. And if he needs to, he can run Maxi and Harris. Or Maxi and Harden even. So I think he notices that, and I think he's been implementing that gradually, occasionally, here and there, sprinkle here and there. And I think as Maxi continues to climb that ladder, if you will, in terms of development, I think we're going to see that more often, and it's a good thing. So to restate my answer for your first question is, I think it's a good thing that one, Maxi is the kind of player that you can have that kind of flexibility with, but also a good thing because Doc is noticing that and understanding that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it certainly seems, again, one of the major things we talked about after the first week of the season and last week was how weird these rotations are, how weird, like, the guys on the bench... That, that do play aren't playing a ton and like they're not even getting opportunities to shoot because again it's like three of those four guys are on the floor at one time and it's just like crazy and then 
it took a big shift this week, and Sixers have won games this week. Go figure. You know, there's guys getting 20, 22 minutes. There's guys, you know, putting up shots. Um, you know, pro, you know, against the Celtics, Bucks, and Spurs, it seemed like the only person, you know, this isn't entirely true, but it seemed like the only person who was really getting shots up was off the bench was the Anthony Melton. Um, and then, you know, you look at even the game against Chicago, like there was a stretch where Melton and Milton played together and they did great. It was so cool. And that was something like all offseason. I was like, I can't wait to see Melton Milton backcourt off the bench and to provide a spark. And there was a stretch where they, you know, they got, I don't know how many points in a row, but they got three, four shot attempts in a row, just the two of them combined. And um, so I'm very, very, very pleased with that. Uh, besides the wins, I think that's my biggest takeaway in a positive manner is the bench play and, you know, what they've been able to do to look for their own rather than, you know, constantly deferring. Because even, again, again, it was the second of a back-to-back, but the game against Chicago, there was all bench lineups often. Um, Matisse played 21 minutes. Melton played 22 minutes. George Niang was phenomenal against Chicago for late third, early fourth quarter. Um, he was big, so that that's my big takeaway. I don't know um, that and <laughs> Tyreek's Maxi going fifteen for twenty, but um, I don't know about you, but that's mine. Yeah, I like that, and I think it really transitions to this Bulls game. We kind of alluded to it, but the bench in this Bulls game probably the best bench performance of the season. George Niang, 15 points, 3 of 4 from 3. D'Anthony Melton, another great game, 2 for 4 from 3. Not crazy volume, but I'll take it. 4 for 8 from the field, 10 points, 4 assists. Um, Just really solid. Montrez, 5 points, 5 boards as well. Really solid scoring contribution off the bench, and that's what you need. They give you 15, 25, 30 five, nearly 40 points off the bench. Now, that's probably an anomaly. I don't know that we can depend or if the coaching staff roster can depend on the Sixers bench getting you 40 every night. But if you get 40 from them every few nights, whether it's Niang gives you 12, 13, 14, Melton gives you 10, 11, 12, Montrez can give you 10 sometimes, Milton played seven minutes, only scored four points. He can give you a little more than that. So I think the bench is slowly coming along. I think we're still going to hit some hit some roadblocks, but it's coming along pretty well. And I think last night against the Bulls was the best outing from yeah, the bench sure. that we've seen so far, which, again, is a great sign. And I would like – I would hope that we see this more often because this, the Sixers – they're really good. I mean, they're going to need it. They they got these guys for a reason, so they're they're going to need it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so while it may be a, an anomaly of sorts to get, you know, 40 or 50 or whatever off the bench, I think the hope is, the hope that you and I have, the hope that Sixers fans have, the hope that the coaching staff has, is that there's more um, more games where you get yeah. around 40 versus Definitely. where you get around seven anything <laughs> 14 anything's better than seven yeah. right you know and so the hope is that the good outweighs the bad and there, there's been again in the in the small sample size that this season has provided there has been some 
not so good bench performances slash like even them getting opportunities because um, yeah, they, you know, in a couple games, they might've only scored 10, 11 points off the bench, but that might've been like seven shot attempts from the bench total. You know, you look at last night, they got real quick. Let's see. Niang shot the ball eight times, nine, 13, 15, 28 shot attempts off the bench, 28 field goal attempts. That's, that's what we're looking for, especially in an early season game against the Chicago Bulls. Um, that's what, that's just what you want. Um, One other thing I would like to address with you, because um, I'm very curious what you're going to say to this, but particularly maybe in the first few games of the season, first week, um, maybe even the game the game against Indiana as well. So I watched that full game, and something, I don't know if it bothers me. I don't know if I really expect anything different or if I'm just getting used to seeing it. So, P.J. Tucker. He's in a Sixers uniform. Um, not that I'm faulting him or anything, because he's shooting very well um, from three this season. Smaller sample size again, but... Um, particularly the game against Indiana. He just, like... He's out there, and he's kind of just there on offense, is what I'm seeing. And I get that you sign a guy like P.J. Tucker for the playoffs for what he can bring. He's a dog. He can guard everybody. He can rebound. He's going to get a big offensive rebound, like whatever. But like there's times, like I don't, I didn't count, but against Indiana, maybe 10 straight possessions he was in, he touched the ball like once on offense. And like I just worry because, you know, if teams notice that and they just, and I get that you can't leave him in the corner because he can shoot, but like he just doesn't seem super involved on the offensive end. That's all. And when he has gotten in, he's made the shot. So, I don't know. Here, <laughs> it's just yeah. that's just something Here's I've the noticed. Thing with that, and I and I can understand where you're coming from. Here's the thing. PJ Tucker, he's not going to get a lot of touches. He's not really a guy like Maxi or Embiid or Harris or Harden, who, for those guys, it's a strength to create with the ball. And do things with the ball. Right. P.G. Tucker is more of a catch-and-shoot guy. He's more of a guy who's going to be really active off the ball. Setting screens, rolling to the rim, passing in pick-and-roll. He He's not going to have the ball for a ton of time because the ball has to go to Harris or Maxi or Embiid and Harden, guys, decision-makers. Obviously, Tucker is going to be put in a scenario where he's got to make decisions, but not to the level of those guys. And I think when people don't see Tucker that involved in the offense, they're saying, hey, what is this guy even doing? Is he just out there running around? What's he doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I can understand <laughs> that 100%. It's just, from my perspective, I'm, I'm looking at it as, well, Tucker isn't really getting the ball to create like that he's not really an on-ball player he really operates off the ball like I said setting screens setting screens on the ball setting screens off the ball on other players to get them open guys like Maxi, guys like Harris even guys like Embiid you know he's Tucker is a guy who is going to give you that off-ball activity that you aren't you might not get from the starters Embiid to an extent, Harris to an extent, but 
These guys are scoring guys. They, these guys are going to get the ball to create with, like I said. So, so I don't know that Tucker is... He he's not really that type of player. If that makes if that does that make sense? It does. It does. It does. Um, it's so. Sorry, forty-two fifty. So <laughs> against the pay, and I get that. Like, I'm not expecting PJ Tucker to shoot the ball fifteen times a game by any means. Um, but to just look at the again, it's talking about the Indiana game. So the starters shot the ball fifty-seven times against the Pacers. One. Of those belong to P.J. Tucker. One shot. Um, and I'm not even particularly saying he needs to shoot more or this or that. But, like, there were, again, there were just possessions. And I could see that being a problem, you know, if he's not even involved in the play at all. I'm not saying him to shoot it, but, like, for him to pass it. For him to get it and pass it back. And it was just, it was just kind of odd. And I think he's maybe trying to find his way. And I get that he's a corner specialist, but... Um, just kind of interesting, and again, I get that, you know, we're. Sir, I'm not asking for the offense to be run through PJ Tucker, but um, and I get what he brings to this team, and I've already seen some of that, which I've been excited about. But um, just just something I noticed during that game against Indiana, especially. So, hmm. what are your thoughts on? Uh, and we can end with with this guy. Uh, what are your thoughts on Daniel House so far this season? To me, he's shown some some spurts of good. He's shown some spurts of a, just being a guy that's trying to find his footing as well. So uh, I don't know how you've viewed him so far. His place in the rotation, is it good? Is it bad? Obviously, Doc's still figuring things out again. How, I don't know how many guys played yesterday, but a lot of guys did against Chicago. So. Here's the thing about House, too. He's, he's, he's kind of similar to Tucker. In the sense that he's not a super high usage on ball guy. He's a guy who's going to be catching and shooting. He's not really going to be creating a lot. Maybe a little more than Tucker because he's a better dribbler. He's a better ball handler. But he's also a guy who's going to be active off the ball. Setting screens. Cutting to the rim like Tucker does very well. Crashing the glass. That's, that's, that's really what you get these guys for because... You have guys like Harden, guys like Embiid who are taking the shots and creating. But then you have guys, again, off-ball activity. super important because you can never have too many guys who are great offensive rebounders. You can never have too many guys who are great three-point shooters, especially from the corner when it comes to P.J. Tucker. You can never have too many guys who are great at screening and rolling and getting guys open with screens. And I think... Having guys like this makes for a healthy balance of shot creation and also off-ball movement, off-ball dynamics, all that stuff. So I see House as a very similar player to that. And I think people kind of give him some slack. Oh, this guy sucks. This guy is... This guy doesn't do anything. Yeah, but there was some of that. he's also not a guy who's going to go out and get you 15, 20 plus every night. That's not the. That's not what he is, and <laughs> I don't know what people thought he was gonna be. I don't. I. I am not sure yeah. of majority perception of what he's is Daniel House, but I can almost guarantee that it's probably not what people were expecting. So I'm hoping people kind of adjust their expectation, at, maybe after watching this or listening. Who knows? 
or <laughs> maybe or just kind of realize hey this is the player he is and and kind of more or less accept it because again he's he's this like we talked about here he's the seventh eighth ninth man off the bench he's not giving you 20 plus every game he's not breaking guys ankles and dunking on people he's not doing that he's a role player he's going to come out get you rebounds he's going to defend really well he's going to hit a couple threes that's what he does he's going to be active off the ball. A lot of similarities. And it's and off-ball movers are important in today's game. They, Like I said, the healthy balance. You need guys who can screen and roll and screen and, and pop and, and cut and things like that. You need guys who can do that. You, you, need, you need guys who can create space for your stars. And those guys are really important. Whether or not they get the ball a lot, which, again, is frustrating. I can understand that. But they're important nonetheless. They 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 make for a complete roster, in my opinion. Yeah, and then to add a little bit more on House, so um, to give some context to it all, so House is averaging fifteen minutes per game through the first seven. Uh, the most minutes he's played has, was the game against Milwaukee. Uh, he had 21 minutes that game, and then the least amount of minutes he's played was last night against Chicago, and uh, that was, go figure, Matisse's most minutes in that one uh, on the season, I believe. Uh, but he had Matisse had 21 minutes in that game, but um, he's only averaging about two and a half field goal attempts per game, so in that 15 minutes, he's shooting the ball uh, between two and three times. Uh, I, again, I, I think he's... Again, I've, I've he's in spurts. I've really liked what he's been able to do, and then there's other spurts where, again, you can just tell he's kind of trying to figure it out. Um, again, I've I've said it probably 14 times already on this episode, but you know these unit these lineups early season, you know, to middle of the season where you know you just have games where you rely on your bench. Um, they're going to have moments where they're going to play really well, and Daniel House is one of those guys. I mean. None of our guards have missed a game. None of our forwards have missed a game, right? I think the only guy that's been out was Joel. Um, and so, like, you know, when Harden misses a game, when Melton's not in, when Tobias misses a game, when, Mel- you know, Daniel House is going to get minutes, and he's as a result, he's going to get shot attempts, and he's going to get looks, and, you know, he'll be able to play with some familiar guys like James Harden. And um, so he's just another guy who's trying to figure it out and uh, – he will as the season goes along because, like we've said, you know, regardless of who's getting minutes now, every single guy that we talk about on this podcast is important in, in some way, shape, or form this season, and they're, they're going to have an opportunity. Um, I, I, would, I would guess that you're a fan that Shake Milton has been getting a slightly bigger opportunity than he did the first week of the season. I am correct? a huge <laughs> fan of that, and I think I – like, I would like to think, I don't, I don't 100% know that – it's going to continue. I really think he can be a co-six man, if you will, alongside Melton. I'm hoping that develops. We'll see. We can come back in a few yeah. months and see what happens with that. But I think he can give you more scoring that you don't have right now. And obviously, we talk about 40 points off the bench is great. But that number could be even higher. Melton only played seven minutes and had four points. So there's potential there, in my opinion. Yep, absolutely. All right, so that is a wrap for episode 71 of Planet 76. 
Uh, the Sixers do battle in the nation's capital on Halloween night against the Wizards, and then they get them at home on Wednesday night. So uh, we'll be talking some Sixers-Wizards next time we come around, and then obviously ooh, a game with the New York Knicks after that. So uh, be on the lookout for episode 72 of Planet 76 here in a few days. Peace. We'll see you next time. Peace. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to Planet 76 Podcast. Please consider subscribing. It helps us out a lot and lets you know that you enjoy what we post. So thank you and peace out.